Hello, welcome to Don't Call Me Exotic. I'm O Annie O. I'm a DJ, radio presenter, and promoter. This is the podcast where I invite people in the creative field to come talk to me about diversity, culture, personal experiences of racism, both in life and in their careers. I'd like to welcome my next guests, Amy and King Wei from Be Seen. Be Seen stands for Britain's East and Southeast Asian Network. They spotlight ESE experiences through their platforms and events, providing a safe space for sharing knowledge, creating joy, and fostering connections. They also started the UK's first ever annual ESEA Heritage Month last September. Hello. Hi. Hi. How nice. are you? We're good. <laughs> Sweaty but good. I can tell you guys are really good friends because you guys kind of look at each other before Lovely. before answering. We do love each other yeah. very much. I've got the L bomb already to King oh. Yeah, and I blushed. Oh. Yeah, I remember that the first time. Yeah, I remember our first time yeah. very well. Would you like to introduce yourselves and tell me about Be Seen as well? So I'm King Wei, yeah. um, one of the newer core team members. I joined the beginning of this year, actually, January, officially. Mm. And I am Amy Fung. And yeah, I was one of the co-founders of BC. So when it started in 2020, um, on a dark, stormy night, <laughs> um, it was, you know, two months, maybe even one month into the pandemic. And I hadn't worn a bra in maybe two months, you know, <laughs> I'm selling the scene. And uh, yeah, you know, obviously, we all experienced that coronavirus was being called the China virus and I started getting a really growing sense of anxiety and the people I would tell about it I would say you know I'm scared to go outside more often than not they'd say "Mm, actually I I think you're Mm. you know thinking about it in your head I think you're making up like it's not real they obviously weren't Asian and so I thought I need to find my people I need to look for people who understand so of course I went online I couldn't go outside I had to go online and I started following people and one of them was Viv who is also one of the co-founders of Be Seen and yeah I just started listening to her podcast but where are you from and then from there I found out about the petition that she had set up to sort of demand newspapers to stop using images of East and Southeast Asian people in their reporting and then from there yeah we sort of got together everyone sort of connected via that and then a few months later we founded Be Seen because we thought there isn't a space that we can own where we can talk about our experiences in a safe place and sort of find joy so that's how Be Seen came about. Oh so I know you guys are core members is it how many are are there of you? Ten? There are ten of us now yeah so six founders Mm. and then um that would make four of us (laughs) doing my maths (laughs) that would make four of us that joined more recently at the beginning of this year so yeah. So did you guys all kind of meet online is that yeah 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 so the core members i'm based in london along with kai and then carly is based in scotland uh viv and charlie are based in manchester and mayan is based out of west africa in senegal oh my god so none of us ever met before it oh was my like god. tinder but instagram right <laughs> and we were sussing each other out i remember our first conversation just like so what are you into and you know what do you believe in and you know you sort of get to know each other and you realize that you vibe mm. and then we were sort of able to join forces like that and then later on we had a lot of volunteers come and help us of which kingway was one Aww. Yeah, but then I had met them at EC Heritage Month, at yes. the first EC Heritage Month, which we'll go on to talk about, Yes, I'm no, sure. we need to talk about that because you guys set up the UK's first ESEA Heritage Month. Yeah. Which is, that's great, like that's <laughs> actually crazy and that happened last September. Yeah, uh, just like anything, it starts with a conversation, right? Mm. We're all sort of thinking, mm, there's AAPI Month in the US yeah. and it's such a success and it was just 
seemed like a really validating space and we thought we need something like that in the UK and the momentum was there like there's so many organizations have formed around East and Southeast Asian culture like BC is not the only one there's some amazing ones like Asian Leadership Collective and Kanlongan has been around for a while mm. and SEAC as well Southeast and East Asian Center and we just thought there really needs to be some kind of platform or a base where people can organize and we can sort of amplify lots of different kinds of um, avenues and stories and thoughts around our community so people can put on events and talk about things or do supper clubs and eat things yeah. or do social <laughs> gatherings like EC Sisters does and drink things so um, yeah that's why EC Heritage Month started. Wasn't it super last minute too? So last minute. <laughs> so, so AAPI month is in May, right? That's when yeah. we thought about doing East and Southeast Asian Heritage Month. And yeah. then we were just like, let's do it in September. So like a few months later. Oh my Amazing. God. Because I, I saw that you guys put together, I think almost 70 like mm. events throughout the month. And then I think it was like se- 10,000 people who yeah. attended. Which, yeah. I mean, for something that was last minute, like <laughs> that's, that's all right. <laughs> like... Yeah, I think it goes to show how needed it was because people really came on board. And although it is 70 events, only a few of them were BC flagship events. Mm -hmm. So we had the events in London, we had BC Bash and then the Comedy Night, which had Phil Wang and Ken Cheng and Rialina and some amazing people. But actually, we put the open call out, right? Like anyone you want to hold an event, just let us know. And that's how it came about with people thinking, okay, I can do a panel talk or, you know, I'm going to go to my company, like, you know, Sky got involved and ITV and Channel 4 and they were just like, yeah, let's come together and do a broadcasting panel and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's really just people thinking, I can do this and all I need to do is set up an event and tell BC and then we would sort of market it and amplify it. Because I know AAPI Heritage Month in the States has been around for years. Mm. Why do you think it's taken until you guys to start one here Mm. wow so many reasons i think (laughs) yeah i mean why is it that we've only started having like the anti-racism discourse within our ec community because of coronavirus Mm. it's mad to think that so so many reasons i think one of them was probably it's probably because how fragmented we are here i think also obviously the ec community is much smaller in britain and i think unlike maybe some other communities, there's not like one religion, for example, that we all congregate around. Mm. And I think that's why a lot of other communities, marginalized communities tend to like congregate. Mm. And we haven't really had that in this country being like quite a small population, one and two, yeah, not having that reason for us all to come together. So unfortunately, but kind of, the silver lining of like all the racism <laughs> that mm. has been that thing for us to like yeah. that reason for us all to come together yeah. Yeah. and I think yeah unfortunately it takes sometimes it takes some mm. rubbish thing like mm. that to happen but the great thing is that it has like sparked this sense of community which yeah. is yeah just been it's meant so much to like so many of us I mean just going back mm. to EC Heritage Month I wasn't a part of the core team at the time but for me um yeah, and Amy alluded to this at the beginning. I was obviously going through what everyone else was going through with the China virus and all the coronavirus racism and also going through some personal things. And my anxiety was just at all-time high. Yeah, um, Could not leave the house. Yeah, was not in a good place. And I remember going to the be seen like birthday bash during EC Heritage Month and it was the first time I'd been out and it was in like Chinatown 
on Gerald Street, right in the action, <laughs> right in the thick of it, and like being surrounded by all these EC people that I've been like following on social media for the last few months. And it was the first time I'd been in a room and not felt that like sense of anxiety and just felt like so comfortable with my people and yeah. was able to laugh and have a good time. And just not just that day, but like that month was like, I was out like every week going to like a different event, <laughs> yeah. seeing like my friends and that really, did so much for like easing my anxiety around that time and it was like really needed because I always say like when I started this podcast and also kind of wanted to reach out to other ECA communities it was because I had a fucking breakdown because honestly we were like physically (laughs) isolated couldn't do shit and then the Atlanta shootings happened and I was like I'm gonna like and what are you gonna do I'm just like in my room like pacing like can't do anything can't do all the things that I love like play music and stuff because of what like the circumstances of the world Mm. so I feel like so many ECA communities popped up during that time because I think we all just went through this collective Mm. like breakdown together yeah and then we were all just kind of in the same mental state (laughs) I think but like maybe that's what kind of like I, I know it's horrible that you know it all came from feeling sad and feeling hurt and scared but then mm. it's kind of created yeah. when I when I click when I do search on my WhatsApp and I click ESEA, there's like seven groups now. Yeah. Mm, so many. <laughs> Wasn't even like a term. Like, we were, yeah. like right? what was yeah. ESEA even before? Like I didn't that was a that's kind of a new term anyway. Exactly. It's a new term and it's not the perfect term. Like obviously there are so many different countries within East and Southeast Asia and within that so many different communities and languages and it's really impossible to try and encapsulate everyone's experience so Mm. I completely understand people who sort of want to step away from that term say it doesn't represent me but it has its functions right like it can bring people together and if you want to be part of it then you know hopefully it can bring about dialogue you know I think that's the most important thing is to have a platform where you feel safe enough to have that dialogue and for sure talk about issues if you can and also it's a starting point right mm. it's better yeah. than oriental oh god oh, no <laughs> or exotic or, or exotic <laughs> <laughs> but actually when you know all those like hour-long walks that we were allowed to have and mm. stuff i remember like finding viv's podcast mm. and kind of being able to like walk around and listen to i don't know like because at the beginning it was viv's yes, wasn't it, it? Was, and then yeah. now it's become a bcine yeah. podcast so yeah no i remember listening in and not seeing other stuff like that available like Chinese Chippy Girl like I remember those two were the ones I was kind of like scoping out and then I was like I want to do this like there was nothing out there like that and congratulations on the first year and um, you guys are now planning for the second year we are we are it's yeah it's gonna be bigger and it's better. better. <laughs> don't set us up Kimberly. <laughs> I'm it, will it will be it will be, will be. manifesting yeah Manifest it. yeah so we're getting ready ramping up to this september and we've already had so much interest and loads of people wanting even like from corporate companies to come in and talk about it and it's really interesting we were just talking about earlier how you know sometimes we have to really scope out what level they're at like are mm. they happy with us talking about hypersexualization mm. and model minority myth because yes. this is sometimes really new information for some people so it's really interesting to try and break out out of our little bubble out yeah. of our echo chamber and say you know actually this is what we're all about yeah and i think that is just one of the most empowering things about yeah. everything that's going on and for me personally being part of be seen is just feels like for the first time we're like driving 
the conversation. So mm. yeah, like we've had some corporates come to us and be like, oh, we want you to talk about Orientalism and fetishization, but like our audience is like quite sensitive and we may need to be careful of this and that. And we're what? like, you know, yeah. no, yeah. like it's not our job to make your employees like you, you either feel more learn. comfortable. Right. right. You either want to learn or you don't. There's no compromise. And yeah. I think that just in itself is so oh. empowering and seems so simple but yeah. like yeah being in a position to be able to say that to go back and be like no like we're gonna t- tell you about it on our terms yeah mm. do you want to learn or don't you and what's that. been the response to that kind of pushback it's like a bit of everything really sometimes they're like oh okay then maybe i need to go and talk with my superior maybe they'll okay it but i think it's a mixed bag like sometimes they say actually let's not do this right now and I don't yeah. know if I should talk. Maybe I should talk about it, but <laughs> keep it anonymous. Okay, keep it. Yeah. it will be anonymous. <laughs> but we had a company sort of approach us and say, "Hey, we want you to come in and do a panel and talk about things." We were like, "Okay, sure. Here are our topics." And they thought, mm, "Don't know, might rock the boat a bit." And they went away and said, "We're going to do our own thing." And then <gasps> when we looked and see what their panel oh was, gosh. it was like all white people talking about Lunar New Year. Right. <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah. And we were kind of like. So you decided not even to really engage anyone in the community at all, talking about this time of year. So Mm -hmm. it was interesting. Oh, my God. Do you know what? I wish I could have been at that panel and just been like, what do you have to say about it? Yeah. Like, what's so weird? Yeah, Yeah, it's mad, but it's shocking, but not surprising, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And with any of these things, anything to do with racism, all you can do is stick to your guns and people are going to respond how they're going to respond at the end of the day Um, it's making them think right yeah so at least that's you can at least disrupt that kind of like level of thought whether or not they choose to do something about it it's Mm -hmm. not you can't do anything about that yeah Yeah. and i say from the beginning bc we've been very conscious about prioritizing our self-care and thinking are we able to engage with you if you're really not at our level or understanding us yeah you know lots of times we've just had to cut things like especially people coming to us from the press and they're saying hey we want you to talk about corona racism you've experienced like can you talk about your trauma trauma porn trauma porn right and we're kind of thinking "Mm, no have you had any sensitivity training and they'll go yeah 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 i've worked with uh, soldiers in iraq and stuff it's like that's different like, yeah that's totally different yeah um you can't just put us <laughs> all trauma in one yeah, bag just, yeah, yeah, like, sorry, about trauma. yeah. And so there's wow. just times where just our jaws just drop and we're yeah. just no as like a new member of the team that's something that i appreciate so much just to like be in a group that, that moves fear- fearlessly mm. is like something that is very new as like an ec woman yeah <laughs> like, for it's not sure something we're used to, yeah. you know i don't want to generalize but like mm that whole idea of and I've certainly like been guilty of it like Mm. my entire work career just nodding along and saying okay and just getting on with it not agreeing but still just going along with things Mm. for the first time we have the space where we can put our foot down and be like no yeah (laughs) Yeah. like honestly thank you to like all of you like you Annie and Kingway I definitely felt like I've been using my voice a lot more like before I used to like sit back if I ever heard anything problematic I just kind of let it roll over but now like the other day I heard a really fat phobic comment from someone and I immediately just was like no that's not right to say and I never would have done that before Mm -hmm. but now I just feel 
you know, I could say you should call it out because yeah. if I want someone to call in people on my behalf, you know, I have to feel confident to do it for myself and other people. So I think seeing other people do it and seeing this critical mass of everyone coming together and saying, no, you're right, you're right to call it out because before I wouldn't have no one to check in with and say, am I overreacting? Yeah. But now, And you'd or- probably be attacked for it, you know, yeah. like it wasn't safe for you to do so before. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, we have that support network. Mm, yeah. So, and then you'll like tell me all the company names later, right? Uh, yeah, but <laughs> afterwards. Once to avoid. <laughs> Actually, there was a funny kind of thing that I read about because AAPI has been going mm. for years in America, and I didn't realize how long it was going on. How long has it been going on? So, okay. I, this is from Wikipedia <laughs> and <laughs> some of the language because it's like political stuff that I don't really get. But it says um, a joint resolution authorizing the president to proclaim annually a week during the first 10 days in May as Pacific and Asian American Heritage Week. That was then passed by the House and the Senate and was signed by President Jimmy Carter on ni- in 1978. Oh, wow. But then this Jimmy is the thing Carter. that... In 1990, George Bush, like the OG George Bush, signed a bill (laughs) (laughs) passed by Congress to extend Asian American Heritage Week to a month. Whoa. And May was officially designated as Asian Pacific American Heritage Month two years after that. Who knew? Mm. My G fucking (laughs) George Bush. Like what? What happened? <laughs> so I'm now I'm just like, well, we have to look to what Boris Johnson to. Oh gosh, Chris. I, I mean, mean, like, what stage Christ. is what stage is this month like going to become like official? Like, yeah. are you guys in that in those stages of like speaking to people about? Yeah, we're trying. I mean, we also have come some connections with the cabinet, like with Sarah Owen MP, who's been such a huge advocate for us, who's been amazing. But it really is an uphill struggle. And we really rely on people writing to your MPs and really campaigning for us because we're only one small group and we need so many people to come together and demand it. Yeah. And we've seen so much benefit from it. So many people who found communities and friends and relationships and um, happiness from this month. So I think if we want to see it, we really need to be the ones to start engaging with the government and demanding it so yeah write to your MPs and say this is important and also write to your local council because they might have funding Mm. to put on an event for you so yeah do whatever you can within your capacity but I know that you guys have previously and I'm I'm not sure if you guys are now um, working with the government and kind of um, consulting on bringing ESEA targeted racism and awareness do you feel heard when you're having these meetings and stuff like do you feel like there's Do you feel positive about it? And do you have like short and long-term goals? I would say that what happened in October of 2020 when Sarah Owen actually launched the first ever anti-EC racism debate within Parliament, that was a really seminal moment, right? So many people came together, we developed a hashtag and tried to get the conversation online and she talked about her personal experiences. And then what came out of that conversation was actually it's not just corona racism, there's been historic racism against East and Southeast Asian communities. She talked about the Chinese Labour Corps, um, who fought on behalf of the UK, but rarely recognised as being part of that force right fighting during the Second World War, and the Chinese seamen who were deported from Liverpool like way back when. 
And so, so much came about, and I think we're only at the beginning of the conversation. There's still so much to do. And really the feeling I get is that we're so far down the list for the government right now. Mm. Like there has so much crap going on. Yeah. Like the fact that we want to get recognized <laughs> and heard is so far down. And that's why we need to keep campaigning. And if I'm honest with you, I see the result or the fruition of this coming so far down the line, maybe for my kid, my daughter to see the sort of fruits of right. And so for me, it's just about keep on keeping on you know without hope like what can we do so we just have to keep hoping and hoping mm. that people will come together and keep fighting the good fight yeah that's yeah that's really nicely said amy i think that's like on a bigger level like just a big thing that i've learned with anti-racism work full stop is like i used to get so frustrated and angry about just mm. people not listening not feeling heard and stuff not changing and people not acting or saying the right things but yeah, more and more, like, I'm just like, you know, you can't expect stuff to, like, mm. turn around overnight. And it is, like, Angela Davis then. Freedom <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is a constant struggle, and it really bloody is. I like... bought that book, too, during, during the pandemic. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, yeah, it really is a constant struggle. Like, yeah. and it isn't about changing things overnight, but doing what you can in this time that we have here on Earth to make yeah. things better for future generations and that is where the hope is yeah that you can make you can be one small part in like a bigger story of change yeah but I mean having only joined together in what a year and a bit mm. a year and a half yeah like if you're already speaking to the government like it's fine yeah. <laughs> like, I you mean, got yeah. this you yeah. guys will you like I trust in, I trust in you <laughs> not to put loads of pressure but well you know what it's because when our petition was at 3,000 signatures yeah that's when it came to the attention of Sarah Owen mm. and usually Aww. if you need something debated in parliament you need a hundred thousand signatures but because it resonated with her um she just thought well i can take it now this is like important Mm. enough to me that i want to talk about it and it really was by fortune that that happened otherwise we would never have been heard i mean that just says so much about representation right Mm. if you can't see it you can't be it i think Mm. that's what the saying is Mm. (laughs) so imagine i mean i i'm so glad it's not that case but yeah Mm. We thank her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we thank her. We thank so many people who we've written to who just thought, you know, you guys keep going, I believe in you. Like people from, when we were writing to the newspapers, there were people who would copy in everyone. Mm. You see, like, research all the journalists who might support us and just do a massive CC of all their names. And a few of them would reply back and say, you guys are doing such good work. Like people who work within these newspapers saying, keep on going on, like, I'm going to root for you. And so, yeah, that really kept us going. Thought, yeah, there are people who do believe in this. Like, it's not just us. Mm. Yeah. It's just so heartwarming to, like, Mm. get emails and donations from just random people. (gasps) Yeah. Yeah, just like what we do and want to support us. And I don't know, it shouldn't be surprising, but We have a coffee page where we can see who's donated. And it's so, like, there's some, some, like, schools and kids have done, like, a bake sale and raised money. Stop. Yes. Yeah. It's like two hundred pounds from our like community village school, and I'm just like, oh, yes. oh my these god, these. Like, no. <laughs> that really keeps so you going. Cute. Yeah. yeah, I'm just like, wow. you're stunning. Please, That's so pure. I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've seen that you guys have also done like reviews and gone to the premieres and interviews for like big moments in our culture in mainstream cinema. Yeah, yeah. For films like Turning Red, Shang Chi, and is it Raya or Raya the Last Dragon? I say Raya. I say Raya. Raya. Because I'm just like it's like the dating app. Raya. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But uh, 
I mean, those are big moments for us. Because growing up, I just remember seeing like Mulan. Mm-hmm. And that was that. Mm. Does this make you feel represented? And how did those kind of come about? I think, I feel like it is getting better. And I don't know if it's a matter of like, oh, once you like um, point something out, you see more of it. But I don't really feel like it is that. I feel like there are more stories being told. I mean, Turning Red, I yeah. watched that like quite recently. And Me too. That was just my childhood, like yeah. in a film. Like the stick on earrings, the Tamagotchis. And like, I would never have ever like thought that there would be that kind of thing. And like, just, just think about like, your kid, Amy, and like kids mm. of today, just them having access to all these people on screen. Yeah, it's amazing. I do think things are changing. I don't think it is just that we're noticing it more now because we're having these conversations, you know. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, in terms of how we've managed to like make that happen, I think Amy <laughs> will probably talk about it more. Oh, Very right. much, I know. <laughs> As a new member, I think it's just been like, oh. Yeah, I ask. think... If you don't ask, you don't get. If you don't ask, you don't get. I think you know there hasn't been before really an organization that really spoke about this kind of stuff like representation and more than representation misrepresentation and underrepresentation. and then there's too much visibility when it comes to negative news stories so there's so many different kinds of things that we have to think about mm. and address and so to be able to finally celebrate seeing ourselves on screen seeing ourselves being heroes and being in charge of our stories is amazing and it was so cool obviously to chat with Sandra oh that wasn't me that oh was my god was like, I know oh, like, she's <laughs> amazing and such an inspiration and Simu Liu as well who spoke to Simu as uh, me as and you and Kai, yeah. yeah yeah and we only had five minutes oh my god yeah. it's like a massive press junket you're always chucked into a digital room and then they're like you're up next you're <gasps> up next yeah but I don't know if it's like just me I don't think it is but like I really feel like he really appreciated yeah your questions I feel mm. like you know as you say it was a big press junket like interview after interview for him and mm. I feel like you were coming at it from a completely different of angle course. and he was so engaged I don't know if you've seen it but like he seemed really engaged with what you're asking him and yeah. he was talking like loads so yeah like I feel like, it was quite refreshing claw him. back more time with Siri. right and I don't think a lot of people are coming yeah. at these interviews from the mm. same place yeah. as we are so yeah because we asked him a lot about the fact that Shanxi came out just after there was this really horrible uptick mm-hmm. in anti-EC racism and it was really good to get his take on that and why this was so important and I think to answer your question, all this representation is obviously great. Just, you know, stuff like Crazy Rich Asians and Raya and stuff like that. It is important to see, but I think that doesn't mean that we can't still hold it accountable. We still question it and say of course. we can still ask for better, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, with Raya, for example, they amalgamated a lot of elements of Southeast Asian culture and made it into one. And that's sort of a problem, you know, and with Shang-Chi fantastic you know we see this combat between father and son it's like a family story but how many stories have we seen about honoring the family (laughs) and you know fighting for our name Mm -hmm. not disobeying your parents and just like actually I kind of want to watch someone who's sitting at home eating popcorn and has daily struggles that I can relate to yeah and so I think we can always ask more and think about actually this is a stepping stone to something better hopefully yeah I mean we've come such a long way from like say back when Bruce Lee was he was fantastic and showed a strong Asian man but at the same time he was very stereotyped in a lot of other ways he was allowed to have a romantic relationship on screen because that Mm -hmm. was banned because interracial marriage was banned and stuff like that so 
that was like what in the 1930s or you know I think that rule ended in the 1960s so it's within our memory or our lifetime that we can watch these films and think this wasn't that long ago yeah so to see how far it's come it's great but there's like so much further to go god took like a hundred years to get a marvel film (laughs) yeah right right yeah and shang chi originally the villain was like fu manchu his dad and that was like yellow peril and then though simu liu refuses to sign comics from that time because it's you know it's a really horrible representation but they also had to develop that and so i think that you know we're going some way towards making things better i mean i think that's why turning red i I just saw it recently as well like in the last week and because I grew up in Toronto, so oh, I so really. Was re- it you, basically? I was like, oh, oh honestly. And then, because when she turns back into a human, she has red hair, and I was like, oh, oh. my god, like, <laughs> I am her. Yeah, <laughs> you should go to Comic Con. <laughs> oh my god! But it was so interesting to watch something that had a main character that was confused and you know confronting things between the two cultures because I'd never seen that represented in anything really, yeah. and then to have like. Because I, I went through that. Mm-hmm. So to kind of see that, I was like, oh, like, I never thought that it would be, like, interesting enough to be, like, a plot in a film. Mm. Yeah. Well, no. some people still don't think it's interesting enough. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. Um, that review from that white male what did reviewer. What Can't remember his name. Not worth remembering. No. Me- remembering. <laughs> he was like, basically, I can't remember verbatim what he said, but essentially this doesn't like represent anyone. It's like speaking to like a small margin of people. I found it exhausting. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's just like, it wasn't about me. So so it's not interesting. Oh my God. Okay, cool. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Um, This is a question for you, Amy. Mm. I've seen you post about the challenges that you face as a mother, as a Chinese Londoner and you created this project, the Lunar New Year Early Years Learning Pack. So I was wondering if you can kind of, <laughs> if you could kind of explain that and tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so I don't know what learning about Lunar New Year or Chinese New Year was like for you guys growing up, but for me, it was just very much like, okay, it's the one time of year where we could talk about Chinese stuff. So let's bring out <laughs> the dumplings, bring out the red chung sam and all this stuff. And it was just like really stereotypical stuff that had nothing to do with Lunar New Year, nothing about the tradition or the history of it, or really delving into how rich it is, because there's so much behind it and the reason why it exists, right? So I thought maybe because usually early year stuff is so busy and run down they don't have time to really research it so maybe I could research it and then promote it on BC so that it's an easy to download pack that you can do straight off the bat give it to your kids and it's informational and fun so I talked about you know the why the zodiac story came about why the calendar exists it's because of agriculture it's a way for farmers to understand when to sow their season harvest it understand the traditions behind it why certain mythical creatures are about and so for me that's like interesting as a kid right that's not boring that's like fun and it's not i need to download this pack <laughs> yeah i didn't know I learned, a lot. A lot. <laughs> I learned a lot as well because i wanted to also make it so it's not just about chinese year like it's lunar new year mm-hmm. it's celebrated in south korea it's celebrated in mongolia in lots of different ways so i wanted to make sure that we weren't focusing too much on one country and the fact that so many countries celebrate it too And I thought about those kids who are from those countries like Hong Kong or Taiwan who do celebrate it and seeing like one part of the pack is, you know, you 
colouring the flag of your country. And she's like, how cool would that be? Like, you can bring it home and say, mum, I colouring the flag of, you know, Philippines. That's where we're from. And so I think those conversations have to start so much earlier, I think, in school year. Like, I don't think people should only be just about hearing about, you know, these countries like Mongo Philippines just now. Because, mm. you know, my knowledge of it growing up in the UK school system was so minor. And I think it's important that it's good to introduce kids to this early on so they get a good global understanding of different kinds of people. And in that way, it's like, again, a small stepping stone to discovering lots of different other things. So, yeah, that's why it came about. Wow. And it also gives kids confidence, right? Mm. So if a school and like a teacher and everyone's getting involved in something from your culture, then you're going to be like, oh, this is my this is my culture. And I'm like proud to actually learn more about it. And it's normal and it's educational and yeah these people are people too yeah (laughs) too and there's elements in it about as well about cultural appropriation because i think at that time of year too often and i actually got this from my kids nursery before i launched the pack and was a big reason why I did it was they said okay so we're gonna dress the kids up in Chinese clothing and stuff (laughs) like that yeah and I quickly I picked up the phone I was just like "Mm, I think maybe we should do something different maybe they can look at the clothes like put on the mannequin lay it out it's not a costume yeah it's not a costume it's dolls like they're not (laughs) dolls it's really culturally significant oh it's so weird yeah and I saw things where kids were encouraged to like make um, noodles out of wool and pretend it's hair and stuff and it's no, really weird like really weird stuff and you know sensory play was rice and chopsticks like laid out and I'm just like no this is a food that we eat and rice is so significant so many cultures and it's just stuff like that where I just think there's very base knowledge that you can just have before yeah. you embark on trying to do these things because you're gonna embed very problematic um, sort of thoughts within these kids like it's okay to dress up as a Chinese person and be able to take off that costume and not be a Chinese person anymore so yeah for me it was like laying the foundations of that yeah. kind of stuff because I also read that you when you've been like reading to your daughter mm. um, and most like uh, ESEA representation in mainstream books is like you I think you actually said it's so cringe I can't mm. even finish reading And then your daughter would be like, why are you not finishing it? So like, how do you kind of navigate having that conversation of discrimination and racism with your daughter? I think we have to battle it head on. Like if it comes up and I'm with my daughter and I come across a really problematic, usually it's like the eyes, they draw the eyes really small or they, when the character's talking, they talk in a really like silly accent. And so I just have to say, hey, this isn't right. I know we're reading it right now, but what problem do you see with this? Do you see why this is wrong? And sort of start that dialogue with her so she can start understanding what race and racism is. And she's so young, she's only four, and already I'm already having to say to her, this doesn't represent us, you and me, or anyone else correctly. Like, make sure you think about this critically. And it is important oh now. Like, yeah, I love it. Oh, yeah, no, I love it. it. I love it. But imagine just being like, think about this critically. It's like, yeah. I'm four. I don't know. Like, I didn't know what critically meant. Yeah. So, like, but I mean, it's amazing. I'm not, yeah, you know. No, it that's, is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like, don't shy away from it. Like, of actually course. address it with them. And in the way that they can understand, right, that's accessible. So I've already had to talk about her, about racist stuff, because I actually experienced racial harassment with her. She was with me and the man, we were walking in the park. Oh, I remember man, this. Oh no. This is how I found you on Instagram. Yeah, I mean, I've only just managed to stop crying, like oh stop no. myself crying no, talking about it, because he like came up to us and held his hand up to me. It was like, get away from me. He was just like, 
right up. And my partner, who's white, was in front of me and didn't didn't oh do God. it to him. He wasn't like he waited till he got to me. And my daughter saw it, and I completely flipped out. Like I was like, "How dare you!" And I didn't hold back. But then I had to explain to her afterwards, like this is why Mummy was really angry. Like that man had really bad thoughts about what Mummy looked like, and she was only four. I remember crying, and um, that whole afternoon I was just. You know, just so upset, and that's why it was so important. Luckily for me, to have people around me like the BC core members and stuff to be able to talk about this, because yeah, it's something which my daughter couldn't avoid. You know, she saw it; she saw racism right before her. So yeah, that's why we need to talk about it. Well, I can't imagine. Yeah, it was just horrible, and I'm not alone, right? Like so many people have, and so many people say haven't reported it to the police. Because when you look at the police figures, it says threefold increase. But really, there's so many members of the community who don't talk about it, report yeah. it. It's so much higher. So yeah, it really starts with I think having that conversation with children and saying when you see it, recognize it, and call it in if you can. Well, I mean, thank you for sharing that, and like, I need to download the. Pack. Yes, download the flags, make the uh, dragon heads or lion heads. <laughs> I found something really interesting that you said actually, like mm. on one of our recent podcasts, on the VC podcast, about confronting your um, daughter's own like anti racist like stuff that she picks up from like mm. the world and stuff. And you're talking about how, yeah, you can't really force <laughs> anything on her at the same time. Like, mm. obviously, you can guide her as um, a mother but you can't force her to love being Chinese Mm. or yeah love certain parts of herself and as much as it is about you teaching her the way and educating her on things it's also about letting her go through the same system we're all in the the same systems of oppression and she's not gonna be immune to it as a mother yeah understanding that at some point you also relinquish control a little bit and let her go on her own journey yeah it's Um, so so hard it's so imagine believe me she's got all the books she's got eyes that kiss in the corners she's got i am golden she's got all the books i could get her about representation she's got dolls looking like you know so many different skin colors she's got a doll black skin brown skin fuzzy hair curly hair straight hair Uh, she's got a mulan doll she's now got shang chi one like literally i could not be giving her all the representation she needs yeah and she still says mommy i want blonde hair she still oh says my that God. it's so hard and i'm just like i have to let her go through this yeah you know, i can't make her do, do you know what's like fucked like when my family moved because i was born in south korea when we moved to toronto i remember i was six years old and i remember walking down the street and i remember i had this like gorgeous like long black hair and i remember looking down and being like why is my hair not blonde because that was the first time i'd seen like Aww. white yeah. people and like blonde yeah. hair and everything but it's just, yeah, it's a weird... I feel like we've all been through it, right? Everyone's been through one it. Team. It's just like, I wonder, I, yeah. I want to like understand like why, I guess I, I just couldn't see me and mm. I was wondering why I was different. So yeah. that's basically like the thought process, right? Like who yeah. gives a fuck what color your hair is? But yeah. also just subconscious white, the powers of white supremacy mm. and yeah, beauty campaigns. Yeah. Like it always being, even in Asia, like white yeah. being held up as like the epitome of beauty. And mm. like that's going to seep into, no matter how much you try and resist it, like it does yeah. seep into you. Because you see white people being better served, right? They get the biggest slice of the pie at every table and they get more respect and they get handed more responsibility. And of course, in 
terms of self-preservation, you want a bit of that of too. So of course you're thinking, oh, um, say with my daughter, Frozen is a massive thing, right? And Elsa is this ice queen. I don't know. I've never seen it, but she's got <laughs> blonde hair and everyone at her age is obsessed with Elsa and everyone's got an Elsa dress and you can buy like a blonde Elsa plait to stick in your hair. And she's always running over to someone's house saying, I want the Elsa plait. And she's got beautiful, lovely, curly black hair. And then she has to plop this blonde plait on. And I'm just like, oh, I'm exhausted. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but she's got a Mulan costume too. <laughs> <laughs> you put that one on tomorrow. Yeah. You know the Elsa for today. Yeah. <laughs> I go on a spending spree. Like whenever she has this sort of moment of "Mummy, I want to be Elsa or have blonde hair," I go on like the bookshop seller thing and I like buy all the books, buy all the costumes. I bought her like two dolls, like impulse buying with like dark hair, just to be like, "No, you want this? This is your beautiful. This is beautiful." Yeah, but yeah, what can you do? Well, I mean, you're setting up like you're giving her all the tools that she would potentially need when she's facing these things because like she will. And I mean, that's all we can do. Yeah, like growing up, did you guys talk about racism? Not at all. Stuff no, like that. not at all. Yeah. I feel yeah. like my family still struggles to talk about yeah. it. I mean, yeah, yeah. You're, when I think about how much you're giving her to compare to like what I had, for example, like she is, she's set up. Like, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, it's hard. But um, it's hard to, as a parent to, and I'm experienced that now, like what my mom must have felt with me, like, you know, letting me go make my mistakes. Like yeah. now I'm in that position going, you go ahead, like. <laughs> Mommy's tired. Mommy's tired. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy needs to lie down. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you guys what you're most proud of with Be Seen. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think I've already touched on some points. Definitely being in a group of people that allow me, allow, and I think we encourage each other to be fearless, to move through the world with a bit more confidence and a lot less fear. I think that is something that's just so nice that's come out of everything that's happened. Um and yeah, I think it'd be seen. Um, well, we recently did this like in-house branding exercise. <laughs> we had to like think about, we were basically trying to come up with like a slogan and we all had to basically say in like 10 seconds, like what be seen meant to us. And for me, it was, yeah, I can't put it into that pithy sentence I put it on. Go on, <laughs> 10 seconds, go. I <laughs> so much pressure. Um, but something about it just providing a space where you feel safe to like figure out who you are and who you want to be. And I think that is something that I've never had before. I've never felt safe enough to like make mistakes and to test stuff out and see how that goes down. But like for the first time I have this, even outside of BC and through EC Sisters, for example, Mm. which I'm also a part of, like just people who I can learn from and you know we're all on this journey together it is like as we said like really new to us as an EC community um it's only a conversation that we've been all confronting in the last two three years and yeah we um are all learning together and we have a space where it's yeah safe for us to fuck up and just confess stuff (laughs) about us wanting to be white for example when we're younger and it just everyone understanding that and I think I'm really proud of I didn't really ever see that happening like our community hasn't really again a massive generalization but we haven't historically been very good at opening up about our feelings and having these sort of conversations and it's just yeah fills me with pride to like see the new generation and our generation like 
having these conversations with each other so openly and in a vulnerable way. Mm, yeah, I think for me it's similar. I think I'm proud of our journey. I think we've managed to sustain this momentum for like a period of time and we're still at the beginning and we've still got a long way to go. But I really have a belief in us because we believe in ourselves, right? And I feel proud of obviously EC Heritage Month, like that's a um, tangible thing that we've done, which is incredible and that I get personally a lot of benefit out of. Like really, it was when I started, um, not when I started, when we started it, it was really for me to go to loads of really fun events <laughs> and stuff and clubs and stuff. I was just like, yes, so much cool <laughs> it is about that. that. It is all about that. <laughs> but um, yeah, on the, in a personal way, it's really just feeling empowered. And I think finally finding peace, I think within myself mm. and feeling a sense of pride as well. Like thinking, you know, there's nothing to be ashamed of to say, you know, that I'm Asian or that I'm Chinese or that I'm from this community like before it used to be something I never talk about or bring up but now it's something that I feel that brings you power in every element of your life my personal life but even my work life you know I think you can use that to your advantage in so many different ways like I'm a graphic designer for my day job and I've realized that hey I actually have the power to bring more representation in what I do and make sure that I push for more people um, who look like us to come to the table and talk about experiences so it's really finally feeling like that thing inside me that I've always wanted to bring and to do like to help the community I can actually do now and it's only because I have the support of other people yay <laughs> that's so nice <laughs> um i want you guys to drop your socials but before you do um i'm stealing this from your podcast but noodles are rice oh, <laughs> controversial so i'm i'm team rice i'm team noodle oh no, I'm, I'm democratic i, I like both <laughs> no, you Wait a second. No, 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 no. okay okay i think rice yeah it's the rice supremacy. It's the rice again. supremacy again. <laughs> oh my god, that's we do live in a rice supremacy. <laughs> Noodles are oppressed again. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, please let um drop your socials so people can find you. Oh, things. so you can find me, of course, at the scene, um, but also at All Right Petal Flowers. I'm like a florist in my spare time. Um, outside of all of this, so yeah. Yep, and on Instagram, I am at underscore Amy underscore Pix P I X. Um, I had that because I do some drawing, but I don't anymore, so it's kind of irrelevant. But that's <laughs> still my handle. And yeah, of course, Be Seen, go to our website, www.bscene.co.uk. And yeah, please check out EC Heritage Month if you can. Oh, and the podcast. But where are you from? Yes, but where are you from? Listen at all your favourite podcast broadcasting places. Um, We're just about wrapping up season four, but there'll be a new season coming up. It's been a big season. It's been a big one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We've had to like rein it in. Yeah. Yeah. Put a stop to it. There's just so many people we want to talk to, basically, and not enough time. Probably need a break in the lead up (laughs) to EC Heritage Month. So, definitely. Anyway, thank you both so much for coming on. Thanks for having us, Annie. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to Amy and King Wei from Be Seen. I hope you enjoyed that bonus episode and I'll be back with a few more very soon. Please also make sure you subscribe, follow and rate this show to keep posted on new episodes. You can also get in touch with me at Don't Call Me Exotic Pod and at ONEO on Instagram. You can also send me an email at Don't Call Me Exotic Pod at gmail.com. Oh, and make sure you don't call people exotic. Bye.